1: hey everyone welcome back to the road of his best best ball podcast my name is colin kelly you can follow me on twitter at over and i'm joined by my co-host on the series of course it is a best ball series given away by the name but it is zachary krueger you can follow on twitter at zk underscore ffb Zach's pumping out the uh, best ball content over over recent times basically over the entire offseason, and that was partly the reason that i thought perfect uh, co-host here for the show but we've been flying through the episodes we're getting down unfortunately for the listeners if you're listening all the way through we're getting down this is likely to be the third last episode of the series but we have uh, had a really good run I think uh, it's definitely something that we'll have to uh, revisit I think each and every offseason but if you haven't listened in yet the content is uh, evergreen we have touched on some players but it's mainly around strategy rather than talking directly about which players to draft we're kind of I guess it's that thing of like trying to show somebody how to fish and they you know they never go hungry or whatever that saying is i don't even know what but uh we're trying to teach you how to how to fish
2: Yeah, I, th- I believe the saying. I'm sorry to interrupt. I believe the saying is, uh, "Give a man a fish, you feed him for a day. Teach a man to fish, you feed him for a lifetime." So we're trying to feed you for a lifetime.
1: Yeah, over especially over in those baseball competitions. And if we can feed you enough to win, uh, we're hoping we win the uh, the big bucks this year in the the big tournaments. But if you come up and win, uh, it'll help keep you going as well. But uh, we are on a fun topic today, and it's something that. I told to Zachary probably a couple of months ago that when you draft with Sean, you reverse engineer your draft and that's Sean Siegel for the listeners. But this is something that we're going to hit on today is reverse engineering your draft and how that sets you up for success in those drafts. And I think, um, again, something that I think when you start doing it seems very, very simple. It's kind of like one of those things like, why didn't I think of that before? It's like a life hack of some sort, but uh, we're gonna be talking about reverse engineering your draft and how it can help you win in all basketball formats. And of course, this is a basketball show, but this is one piece of the show that will help you across all leagues. Uh, There's no doubt about that. So I'll let you go first, Zach, when uh, we're starting to talk through it, but what does it mean to reverse engineer a draft and and how would you go about doing so?
2: yeah so i thought that was a pretty simplistic question when i typed it in there but i thought it was just one worth asking because if people are going to be listening to these maybe for the first time and they've maybe they've not read any of the content it was a good question to ask and just kind of lay it out i'll give my definition and if you want to touch on that any further you're certainly welcome to so we give them the best possible answer but what i had written was just that reverse engineering a draft is preparing for your draft from back to front mapping out how you may approach each round based on who we expect to be available Um, based off of current ADP trends. Now, you can maybe look at something else other than ADP. ADP is usually where I tend to go with it, just kind of assuming that most drafts will be um, considered quote-unquote normal uh, and that nothing too Mm -hmm. unexpected will happen. And through looking at these ADP trends, working back um, at the end... from the end of the draft, whichever round that may be, if you're doing an FFP slim FFPC slim, that would be you know the eighteenth round. So working it back from there to the first round. If you're doing an FFPC classic, that would be what the twenty-eighth round working it back. So working it back from the end of the draft to the beginning and kind of mapping out players who you may think one could be available to you at those certain spots, two, deciding whether or not they're players who you want to take. And then three, if they are players who you want to take, Considering how they may fit whatever build it is you're looking to head into, there's also an advantage to this if you know in advance what um, pick you have in the draft, so you can kind of base it off that as well. But that is how I would most closely define it. Is there anything you would add to that column?
1: No, i think that's pretty much uh straight on um so i think we'll kind of get in basically the easiest way to think of it is if you started who what pick you'd be happy with in round say 20 work your way back to 19 18 7. it gives you an idea then of, of who you take in those opening five rounds and how that's going to make your roster look so a lot of people start their draft process and they'll say and being honest for most people who are just casual fantasy players who are drafting in a home league they'll probably just be like right I'm in the first round this is the guy I want second round third round fourth round and then that team will probably fall off a cliff when you get to the fifth round Uh, so they know those early guys but don't know the guys at the back of the draft the the players at the start of the draft are going to help set you up for success but the players at the kind of back half of the draft are probably going to be the ones then that push you over the line and help you to win that league so it's just about flipping your approach from who do I get at the 105 and the you know the middle of the second round and taking it from the back of the draft so when we look at it in that perspective what it really does then is it lets you know if I take a tight end in round one what's that going to look like for the rest of my roster from that point after because you know who you can get in those later rounds or if I don't take a tight end in those first five rounds then I have to pick up two to three tight ends and they're kind of eight to 14 range what are they going to look like and rather than having to do your draft and after it be like this team looks disgusting you can uh, you know make those kind of preconceived kind of selections in your head before it you mentioned something as well and i think this is really beneficial is we're going to touch on excel spreadsheets in a moment but if you set up your kind of sheet to be like these are my tiers or these are the rounds that i want to take these players in it means then that if you are picking from spot 12 or spot 5 or spot 1 or whatever spot in the draft, you're taking those players in those rounds. So even if you're like, for us, for example, if you're doing volume drafting where you're drafting in many leagues, sometimes drafting in multiple drafts at the same time, you're going to be in a situation where you're trying to make those decisions relatively quickly and having your players in those kind of, I wouldn't call it tiers, I call it round breaks. And then that means that you can target those guys quickly. So I think being able to do that means that who you take in those certain spots lets you know how the overall roster build's going to look and you can be more comfortable with those selections. So if you've taken five wide receivers and you're thinking between you know a quarterback or tight end or another wide receiver, you can be like, well, if I take this guy here, what is looking for my roster after that? So I think it's it's highly beneficial. So that would be what I would add in. But I mentioned Excel spreadsheets there and I know um when you would have uh, been preparing with Sean, that was something that, that you added in.
2: Yeah, yeah. So I'm I'm assuming that you've experienced this as well, drafting a team with Sean and he sends you a spreadsheet and it's got like the players and the ADP on it. <clears throat> and from there, um, you know, we kind of start mapping out who we like. Um, if if you've if you've not done this before, um, which I'm assuming you have, but if you've not done this and you're listening to this show, um, you don't have to be drafting with Sean to do this. You can do this with any of your friends. You're drafting you and do it by yourself. Set up an Excel spreadsheet um, that gives, you know, somewhat current ADP of different players. And then um, the way that we had prepared for it was we kind of color coded players. And in our case, we're working together. So we color coded players who we liked in order to kind of get a gauge for we would actually be targeting each round just based off of general preference of a player Um, so we had used uh, four different color codes we used you know green light for guys obviously he's someone who we want Um, yellow light, you know, kind of iffy on him, we did an orange just to kind of indicate like we're probably out on him, but maybe in a certain situation we consider him. And then red was just, we were probably flat out, out on that player no matter what. So that was one good way to kind of prepare ourselves just to know where we were at on each individual player. Um, When when drafting together so we weren't constantly um, suggesting guys to one another who maybe we didn't want and I can tell you also that when doing a draft on a live stream that is incredibly beneficial because you don't have a lot of time to kill when trying to one produce content that's hopefully engaging for the listener but then also discuss how we're going to go about drafting teams so it was a really great way to play on for that um, it's very good for live drafts, even if you're not doing it on a live stream. It's super helpful for that. And then the other way we can do it, which um, you know we'll we'll touch on, certainly, you know we get columns angle on this as well, is using round by round ADP, um, which is which you can get just you know from a site like Rotovis, uh, with the ADP draft grids that we offer. We have them for both the FFPC and the FFPC um, exposures and ADP tool. and then we also have them in the best ball ten. Exposure is an ADP tool, so um, you can go and you can pull up recent um, draft grids for teams based on ADP. You can print it off for what have you, or just use it on your your computer and kind of look at that and see how trends are looking recently and decide um, maybe some players who you would and wouldn't want to consider for each individual round. Is there anything in particular that you're focusing on when you're looking at the reverse engineer column, or I guess I just ask you how do you how do how do you prefer to go about it?
1: well what i was going to say i was wondering should we give away all the secrets but i guess i'll add it in as well as when we're doing it i mentioned in my kind of drafting round by round and when i'm setting up for the round i also split it into to position so you'll have you know the the first round running backs the first round wide receivers you know side by side rather than just one line the reason again i was saying about that is If you have your tight ends on one part of the screen or the quarterbacks that are going in those rounds, it lets you know, if I pass on this guy, this is what's available to me later. Or if I take this guy, it's going to free me up to move then to these wide receivers. And so it's just another thing that I would do is add that in as well as the color coordination. And you mentioned doing it when you're doing shows. Uh, If you're doing content, it is a must. But if you're just doing your own drafts, um, I use those for my own drafts. Just sometimes you're in multiple leagues rather than having to go through and check through all the settings again like if you're playing the ffpc a lot of the data over on Rotoviz, you can set it by the last two weeks or the last week or the last couple of days and you can see the most up-to-date adp whereas if you're drafting you're using site adp on some of the sites that site adp might be over the last month or over the last couple of months and then it won't give you the the latest information in terms of the adp as well so when when i'm doing it though very much the same as you Um, and when i get to this point of the season unless there's big changes in adp you kind of have an idea where those guys are going to go and and sure there's going to be drafts where somebody reaches really high on a player and they go a lot higher but again if they're reaching really high it's pushing somebody else down to you so those things will happen but over the course of you know 10 20 30 40 drafts these things will balance out so I'm starting at the backgrounds. Um, If you're drafting with Sean, it all starts with KJ Hamler and how to get him on your roster. But if uh, (laughs) that was a joke, Sean Sean loves a bit of KJ Hamler. But uh, I'm, I'm looking through it and trying to see if I'm taking those wide receivers, which I am going to be taking in those opening seven rounds, how is that going to set me up for what running backs are available at the back end of the draft? Where are the sweet spots for running backs if you're looking for your second quarterback? Where's the sweet spot for that? so you kind of get into the habit of like, if I'm drafting from this position, this is what I need to do. And it means that rather than just being a draft and be like picking as you go along and guessing what you're doing, you kind of have a, a better plan for your overall strategy because we talked about it on the last show, um, you know, in terms of trying to get those running backs and get those, or sorry, in terms of trying to get those uh, kickers and defenses and how to set up your wide receivers. Well, if you go in and you're just picking round by round and guessing where you go you're not going to finalize what the roster construction that you want overall so this is another way of planning to have that roster construction be what you want it to be when it comes to the end of the draft
2: hey rotoviz radio listener this is curtis patrick from the dynasty command center podcast and i've got a special deal for you today go to rotoviz.com click the subscribe button
1: So as we move forward, um, Zach, how can reverse engineering give us that uh, draft edge?
2: Sure. So one of the things that we did already, uh, we already use one cliche saying about, you know, teach a give a man the fit or give a man a fish you feed him for a day, teach a man the fish you feed him for a lifetime. Uh, I went ahead and I threw a cliche uh, saying in this one here, which is uh, you know, failing to prepare is preparing to fail. Uh, which is cliche, obviously. It's kind of you know silly to be using it here. But I think that one of the best things that we can do in terms of draft prep is something like reverse engineering a draft. I think it holds a lot of truth, this saying, when it comes to fantasy football and thinking about reverse engineering a draft. Um, one thing that I kind of keep in mind with this, also for maybe some listeners who have not been in draft lobbies all season, like myself and Colm, uh if you have not been in draft lobbies all offseason then there's a good chance that you may be getting into a draft um within this next month or two as the nfl season approaches week one so one of the things that i think is good for these people who maybe are just now getting into drafts is finding a way to gain an edge on their opponents who have either also maybe prepared adequately for a draft or maybe several drafts or maybe they've you know just done their research and or they've been a few lobbies themselves trying to find a way to perhaps gain an edge over your opponents by reverse engineering your draft and just putting in your mind different ideas of things that may happen in a draft Um, when it comes to preparing for this what you're really doing is you're mapping out different scenarios that you're going to anticipate um, to unfold over the course of your draft and kind of giving yourself ways to pivot um, based again off of your build and what it is that you're trying to do with your draft. So I think that the edge to be had is um, taking a step towards preparation, but not only preparation, but preparing in a way that others might not be necessarily preparing. Um, you mentioned earlier, you know, you get into the first couple rounds of a draft, everything seems like it's going really smoothly. Um, you know, you're, you, you've got your Christian McCaffrey, you've got your. Uh, Devontae Adams, you've got your A.J. Brown. The first three rounds seem really cool, but then once you start getting into those later rounds, as things start you know, unfolding, as players start leaving the draft board who you weren't anticipating on leaving, reverse engineering helps you prepare for that. Now you've already laid out in your mind that these players may not be here. And not only these players may not be here, but you've also now taken the appropriate steps to say if this guy is not here, I will take player X. And I think just being prepared on um, you know, from all angles um, for what might happen in a draft gives you an edge over those people um, who maybe haven't actually thought through the idea that someone who they maybe thought was a late round sleeper or just a tremendous value late isn't there. Now they don't know what to do. When you do know what to do, you're going to be better prepared to pivot towards unexpected circumstances
1: yeah and i mentioned as well like sometimes people overreach for certain players but you you had on something there where maybe somebody reads a website and they're like well these are the three late sleepers to get in the 18th to 20th round but then what happens if they go and there's only three of those guys in a 36 uh kind of player selection period Um, that's where it's important to have those kind of tiers and who you want to draft at those points and the other thing that it does we mentioned about kind of being able to use heat maps and things on some of these shows and see where players might go with the win rates. Well, in terms of this, it kind of gives you a mental map of where you can go with these players. So you can kind of view a couple of rounds ahead. You can see those moves happening. If you imagine it like a, a chessboard, and I know a lot of people probably listening would have watched, and I'm trying to think of the name of it now, uh The Queen's Gambit, uh, the chess show that was on Netflix, and you could see the pieces moving around the board. That's kind of like when you're doing enough of these drafts and when you're doing the reverse engineering to see where players are going to be you start to see where the pieces are going to fall you start to get very very comfortable with making those selections depending on doesn't really matter what spot of the draft you're in you start to know who's going to be there and what you're looking to have and then because of the selections you've made earlier in the draft you know what's coming later in the draft and it makes things work out much much better for you so it's just giving you more clarity more understanding of, of what the overall process is going to look like and of course, then you have that finished product. There's not many drafts that we finish up where we're like, Oh, that, that I didn't seem like I drafted that team. You kinda know exactly where the, the drafts go and what players are going to end up on it. So um I, I always think it's a really, really good way to go. And I do think it's something that once you start doing it, I I don't think you'll you'll ever stop doing it. The same as the spreadsheets. I don't think you'd ever go back to the 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 other way
2: right right um that was actually something so um that I wanted to touch on with you um because you have like you said you were you were the one that talked about reverse engineering drafts to me I then reached out to Sean uh when doing my show and told him that was something that I wanted to learn so I've I've got a couple months under my belt I'm working on an article right now at Rotoviz. I'm hoping to have up this week um just kind of mapping out some of my thought process for some of these players and drafts but I know you've kind of done it for a while you've been you've been podcasting with Sean for a minute so you've had a lot of chances to kind of bounce different ideas off of him in terms of reverse engineering drafts and maybe uh, put some different things to practice that we haven't discussed here. So, uh, Colin, I want to kind of give you the floor and just say, you know, having had a little bit of experience with this and reverse engineering these drafts, what would be some recommendations that you might have for our listeners who are trying to really get into it and and get an understanding for how they can use this to their advantage?
1: I think the first thing really, and it sounds simple, is but like whatever setting you're playing in, whatever league you're playing in, know those settings. It, go, it goes back to the very, very basics. Then I'd be looking to get some sort of ADP and those. So if you do your own rankings, maybe you don't want to use ADP, that's fair enough. But if you're looking at somewhere like the FFPC, I think even if you do your own rankings, having the ADP is invaluable because you can see where players are putting their money down. That's why I like the FFPC's ADP is, that is where people are putting money down. And sometimes it is big, big money uh, in those high stake leagues. And you can start to see, where those selections have been made. So, if we're looking at some other sites, maybe for ADP, might just be mock drafts. People can do a mock draft, can take players wherever they want. But when you're putting money on the line, it's going to give you that. So, what I would be doing then is turning that ADP into those lists, like I mentioned. So, going from uh, basically the, the back ear draft to the front year draft, having your ADP in order, and then splitting those out by position to give you to split them out by round. So, you would have all the players in those rounds have all the players split by position in those rounds and then i would do like you mentioned the color coordinate it might seem silly to color coordinate your own board but if you're looking at what nfl teams are doing in the draft they're making draft boards are we like is that something that's below us to go and do so if you (laughs) are we above the nfl (laughs) so if we just simple traffic light color system to say this is the guy i want this is the guy if all the guys i want are gone these are the guys so if you've heard me doing some of the drafts recently with sean we did one with blair we're going to be doing one with anthony amico coming up here when there's a certain point in the draft when we're in that third round and i'm at the back end of the third round i can tell you with confidence that every single time i'm hoping to get cd lamb If cd lamb's gone i'm hoping to get terry mclaurin if terry mclaurin's gone we just move down the list and when those players are all gone then that's when we have our list to see who's in the next round that we're going to lift up and reach a little bit for maybe. But when we're going through it, you need to just have that process because what happens is if the guy you want goes, then you panic. If you have it mapped out, you're going to stay calm. If you also have it done from the back of the draft when you reverse engineered it, it means that if you think Travis Etienne is the play here, you can be like, well, if I take him here, I've already taken, let's say you've taken Jonathan Taylor at the back end of the first round because... Or maybe Saquon Barkley because his ADP is dropping a little bit. Then you have two, two running backs in those first three to four rounds. But you can also see where the opportunities are going to be to get those wide receivers. So you might then say, I really now need to hit the wide receiver position for six picks in a row because then we're going to get into that kind of wide receiver dead zone. That's then where we start to look at those quarterbacks, maybe a zero RB running back at that point. And then we start to go back to filling in for the tight ends, the rest of your quarterback core and so on. Then you get into the kickers and defenses. If you're in those 28 round leagues, and then you get back into filling out the back end of that roster and having those guys then from, if you're into those very deep leagues with 28 rounds from like 22 through 28, you're picking those Kind of lit round targets that you're hoping to get and if you haven't reverse engineered the draft you're not going to know who those lit round targets are probably going to be so that would be my it was probably a long-winded explanation of it but that's kind of the step-by-step process of why i think it would make sense to do this process if you haven't done it before
2: yeah, yeah, I, I think that that's definitely kind of, I, I think what you laid out was different things that I've been keeping in mind over the last couple months or so since I kind of started exploring, this is an option for preparing for my drafts. One other thing that I, I would just touch on real quickly that um sean had talked to me about too um specifically for this article that i'm working on is also keeping in mind that when you're looking at something like adp you're going to have players if you're using a grid um like using one of the Rotoviz grids you're going to have players who are not going to show up on those grids because they're not being drafted and just because they're not being drafted certainly doesn't mean you have to ignore them or you know just you know not draft them like i think some of those later rounds you know if you're so I'm doing an article for Slims, so we'll just speak in context of the Slim. If I'm doing a Slim draft and I'm looking at you know rounds 18, 17, 16, uh, th- those are rounds that are relatively similar in terms of the kind of players that you're looking to acquire there. And when you're reverse engineering a draft, Sean had just made a point to me to keep in mind that If a player fits my build and maybe he's going in the 18th round, but in the 16th round, I could justify taking him because I want to be mindful of my build in the 17th and 18th round and how certain players who I like there fit in. To also... You know, maintain a little bit of flexibility with the ADP. I don't think that reaching on a player in the in the seventeenth round when he has the eighteenth round ADP is necessarily a careless way to play it. when at this point in time, all we're trying to do is find players who we can make a legitimate case for having upside the slate who could perhaps turn into more than a player who's going in the top two hundred.
1: Yeah, no, that's fair as well. Um, As we get ready to wrap this up, we will have a couple more shows coming your way from the Best Best Ball podcast series. If you haven't checked out the ones from the start, head on back. Uh, We have gone through different strategies. We've looked at zero rb is i'm sure everyone will know that uh there's always a lot of talk about that on twitter uh, it's interesting zach as well and we might touch on this in one of the final shows as we did talk about modified zero rb was it a thing i can tell you it's become uh much more of a thing since we uh, did that show but um let's uh let's save that for maybe the, the final show of the the series but that is going to do it as we get ready to wrap up i want to let you know as always as a loyal podcast listener, you can save yourself 10% of a Rotoviz NFL pass. All you have to do is add the code RVRadio2021 at checkout or go to rotaviz.com forward slash podcast for more information. That's going to take us to the end of today's show. My name is Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. My co-host is Zachary Kruger, who you can follow on Twitter at ZK underscore FFB. Until we're back with another show in the series, have a good one.